podcast ain't played nobody. S and P Plus uh, Sunday recap penultimate edition for the 2016 season. Bill, we're going to jump right into it. And we're going to change the format. Um, we're going to start at number 30, but we're going to run a little faster through the bottom. Bill, can you explain to us why we're going to do that? <laughs> yeah, because um, so when you get a chance, uh, you know, you can go to the uh, Football Outsiders, Outsiders S&P Plus page and there are, you know, adjusted scoring margins on there. Um, and you can see that, for instance, uh, the difference between number one Alabama and number three Ohio State is nine points. The diff- the distance between number nineteen Texas A and M and number forty one NC State four point one points. Um, that no team outside of like the top fifteen, there is not a single team in the country that has really been particularly good for back to back weeks, and it has created a massive cluster uh, in the middle and some interesting, uh, some interesting juxtapositions here. So let's get let's get going. Yeah, we're not obviously adherent to just the playoff. The show lives and breathes on the middle and the bottom, but um, we are gonna modify this just because the it, it's a wonky year in terms of separation. So we're going to go real fast. We're going to go 30 to 15 real fast, and then we're going to talk about things that we want to talk about with those 15 teams. (laughs) Number 30, uh, 4-8 Notre Dame. Number 29, the undefeated Western Michigan Broncos. Number 28, Houston. Number 27, uh, headed to the ACC Championship, Virginia Tech. Number 26, Pittsburgh. Number 25, not headed to the ACC Championship, North Carolina. Number 24, they put Charlie Strong out of his misery, TCU. Number 23, headed to Bedlam, Oklahoma State. Number 22, Iowa. Number 21, Florida. Number 20, Colorado State. Hey, going on? What's going on up there? Number number 19, the flailing Aggies of Texas A&M because it is November. Number 18, also headed to a championship game, Temple. Number 17, they finished with a better record than Georgia. That would be Miami of Florida. Number 16, Boise State. And then number 15, America's team, Colorado. Uh, we can actually, we'll actually start with Colorado as we go up because that does okay. impact the playoffs. So from Boise to Notre Dame, what a gumbo. Yeah. Yeah, so um, real quick, just some quick comments. Uh, Notre Dame is 4-8. and eight. Uh, They have lost – I mean, I've enjoyed it as much as anybody else, but – They've lost seven games by one. They played eight one-possession games in 20, uh, 2016, lost seven of them. Uh, that's hard to do. And four of them, you know, the win expectancy thing I have on the stat profiles where it says, you know, based on the stats of this game, you would have won X percent of the time. They had a win expectancy over 50% in four of those eight games. So, or five of those eight games, I think. So basically they should have gone, what would that have been? Uh, somewhere in the neighborhood of about like eight and four-ish this year. Uh, they did not. <laughs> they uh, they figured out really new and creative ways to to lose every close game, except the one against Miami. They beat the number seventeen team in the country, um, and so it was just weird. It was a weird year. They were unlucky. They were injured. They were kind of losing their minds at the end of the year. And uh, if the ship gets steadied a little bit, they're fine. I mean, they'll they'll be they won't be like title contender next year, but they'll be pretty good again, I think. Uh, real quick, so 29-28, Western Michigan and Houston. Western Michigan fell a little bit uh, because they kind of, well, they beat Toledo, which was good. Toledo's 38th, but um, the, the stats suggest they're maybe a little bit lucky to do so. Houston surges to 21, and then uh, their defense doesn't really show up in a, in a loss to, to Memphis. Mm-hmm. Uh, Virginia Tech, Pittsburgh, North Carolina, I think anybody who watched the ACC at all this year would kind of agree that uh, on average they were about the same. Pitt charged late. North Carolina 
looked great and then laid eggs. Virginia Tech had the, the really confusing Syracuse loss, but they've basically all been about the same team. Virginia Tech wins. Uh, awesome. Oklahoma State, TCU at 24-23. TCU's been all over the freaking map, uh, but they looked great uh, a couple times here late. Uh, Iowa, number 22, that is delicious to me because of how badly they ranked last year. But if you watched them in the last month, they were an awesome team the last month of the year. Bill, where was um, it? Where, can you go back and tell me where they were exactly at this week last year? Um, I... I I could, but, uh, you know, computer, whatever. Uh, it would take a little while. Uh, high, 30, were, high 30s, low 40s. Right, but they were definitely, my point is they were definitely not a 22. No, 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 no. I think they maybe got as high as about 30 to 33 at some point last year, um, and, and then they would oscillate back towards the, towards the 40 mark. But regardless, 22, and they've been awesome. They beat Michigan. They beat Michigan, and they, they crushed Nebraska. Nebraska, who is still number 40 after falling. Like I said, it only takes one bad performance to fall from 26th to 40th. Uh, to, so to finish up then, Colorado, or Florida, still, still all defense, no offense, uh, yep. and they've fallen a little further. Uh, I'll skip Colorado State for a second. Texas A&M, sometimes, uh, you know, I, I looked at these numbers. LSU, as we'll get to, rose more than Texas A&M fell, um, which sometimes happens. Temple has been awesome since the basically since losing to Army for the most part. Uh, Seventeen Miami looked fine, uh, you know, has has looked somewhere between fine and good for over a month now. Boise State surprises me that they didn't fall. Their their offense really really kind of laid an egg last week, but yeah. they had some cushion, I guess. And then uh, you know Colorado will get to okay. Two th- so two things I, I'm drawing from this one. The ACC upper middle class cul-de-sac is developed very nicely. Everyone has yes. a very nice Still not yard. Elite, but good. <clears throat> everyone has a very nice yard, and it looks like they've done some good hedging. You have Virginia Tech, Pittsburgh, North Carolina, 25 through 27. Miami in at 17. This is what we expected. This is really what we expected. I know VTech is going to go in and play Clemson, and I think it'll be – uh, well, I was about to say I think it was going to be a pretty good game. I thought South Carolina would do some weird things to Clemson early, and they just didn't do it. Yeah, Clemson has looked uh, really good the last couple of weeks. Clemson woke up, and, and and because of that, I'm not expecting a ton from Virginia Tech, but they are one of those 2017 Arkansas bounce teams that are going to get a ton of attention. But then I, I feel remiss, depending on where Larry Fedora ends up, Pittsburgh, VTAC, North Carolina, Miami – that's it. Yeah. That's your upper middle class for a conference that really hasn't had one in a long, long time. And then the second thing is, I'm just going to kind of pester you about this. G5 rep, uh, you've got Western Kentucky at 14. We've got Boise, who lost at 16. And then we've got the Broncos down at uh, down at 29. That's to be expected because of their schedule. Um, if I'm picking for not necessarily all football reasons, I'm taking Western Michigan and I'm putting them in the Cotton yeah. Bowl. And I think yeah. that's what the committee is going to do. I think that's what they'll do. And, and right now, I think, you know, based on who could actually be conference champion, it's, it's, it's going to be between Western Michigan and the AAC champ, be it Temple or Navy. Um, I think both of those, I mean, you see where Temple's ranked. They, they've really been an awesome team of late, but they've lost three times. And, and Navy has lost twice, and Western Michigan hasn't lost. And I think that separation, if one of those teams was 12-1 and one after next week versus 13-0 Western Michigan, I, maybe you have a case. I think it's Western Michigan. I think it's easily Western Michigan. All right, are you ready to go? I, I have to speak about Colorado State for a second because that okay. one made me laugh out loud this morning. Um, so Colorado State over the, basically stunk for a good portion of the year. Um, but – Starting with the 
Basically, so from an S&P standpoint, uh, they should have beaten Boise State. Their win expectancy in that game was about 53%. So mid-October, they should have won at Boise State. They played well enough to win at Boise State. Uh, whooped UNLV, whooped Fresno State, um, lost a weird funky toss-up game to, to Air Force where their offense was awesome and their defense wasn't. And then they crushed, destroyed the New Mexico team that turned around and destroyed the Wyoming team that beat San Diego State at Boise State. Um, and so they got kind of a transitive little boost for that too, but that, and they just looked phenomenal against San Diego state, uh, on, on Saturday. They, one of the, one of the better mid-major performances of the year. So in a normal year, they should rank about 30, uh, in this weird clustered year there, they get a couple decimal point boost and suddenly they're 20th. Number 15, Bill. I watched, um, almost all this game. I've been yeah. in Tampa, Florida. We have a feature coming up on South Florida, who, by the way, ranks, uh, 37, 37. Uh, that's a topic for another podcast, but I did watch the Bulls finish the 10 and two season. Willie Taggart's about to maybe quietly, maybe very loudly enter the coaching conversation here in a second. Um, but, uh, that game was early, so I didn't get to see a single play of Michigan, Ohio state. But I did in my evening. I elected to, uh, well, my tele- my hotel television elected to give me uh, Utah and Colorado and not Tennessee and Vandy, which I just kind of had a more morbid local interest in, which actually turned out to be a pretty good game. Yeah. Um, but so did so did Colorado and Utah. So Colorado's going to go in. Um, yeah. I almost feel like you have to talk about this game in context with Washington because we're now sort of previewing the, the conference title week. There's no re- real way around it in terms of circumstance. Um not ideal, like we've talked about. You probably need the brand name. You probably need the um, the USC luster to help. They're not going to get it. But this is going to be a good game that I think Washington will win. Yeah, but and at, the, I don't at think this Washington, point, it's house money for Colorado. I don't think Washington needs the USC bump anymore. They're going to be fourth this week, oh, probably. And, and if they're not, if they're still somehow behind Michigan, they'll probably go ahead of Michigan when they quote-unquote get the bump. Like I, I think they're probably safe now. Um, but yeah, I mean, Colorado, you know, the rankings for Colorado, I think reflect exactly what we've seen these last few weeks. They're 34th on offense who their offense is, is good and kind of explosive, but also flaky. Uh, as we've seen, they are 10th in defense. Jim Levitt's going to probably get another head coaching job pretty soon. Um, their defense is awesome that Utah really had to score on special teams. If they did not get all the way into the end zone on a return, they weren't going to score. Um, and then, as we saw last night, Colorado ranks 100th in special teams, which uh, special teams bit them hard last week, uh, or, or last night, I mean. So, um, I mean, that all kind of fits. I think they look like about a top 15 team, but the problem is Washington has spent a good portion of the year looking like a top five team. And, and you know, so if they, both, if they both show their B game or their A game or whatever, Washington wins comfortably. Uh, but the Colorado defense, especially if you think about the, how good that pass defense has been uh, against a good Washington pass offense, that's going to be fun. Uh, Western Kentucky comes in at number 14. They're going to host La Tech for the second year in a row in the CUSA title. Not La Tech for the second year in a row, but they're going to host the CUSA title for the second year in a row. Um, <clears throat> anecdotally, a couple of things here on the broad view. Um, three things. Jeff Brom's going to be a candidate at a couple other schools. Um, I, I know that for a fact. Uh, he was a candidate at a couple other schools last year, but uh, it, it's only heating up for him. Uh, number two, when I was on my way to the Big Ten title last year, I was from going from Nashville to Indianapolis. I passed through Bowling Green. Uh, Southern Miss fans outnumbered them about two to one on the road, and then I found out that that was about the same in the stadium. Uh, maybe not two to one total, but it was an empty stadium. Western Kentucky, we have, I know you guys are listening, turn up. You got to turn yeah. out. Yeah. I'm not saying he's going to be there forever. 
if you sell at the stadium, but you, you gotta, you're a real mid-major now, okay? Third thing is, um, when Todd Stewart hired Bobby Petrino, we eviscerated him for it on, on grounds of character and the short-sighted, you know, sell-your-soul nature of college football, but guess what? It worked. It worked. Yeah, I, actually, now, I actually didn't. I thought, you know, for a rehab stint and for a building up, I thought, you know, that, that makes a hell, hell of a lot of sense. It makes sense to go to Western Kentucky. I was mad at Louisville for hiring him so quickly because, you know, I seem to, you know, if you think about what I said about Muschamp when South Carolina hired him, I seem to believe that there's, you have a certain length of rehab stint you have to serve before you can get another big job. But I thought it was, I, I, I somehow, uh, probably hypocritically, was okay with Western Kentucky hiring him. Anyway, I was yeah. I, I I really didn't have an issue with. Uh, I don't know. Maybe again, we won't derivate here. But yeah, yeah, I did have an issue just that anybody would touch him that fast. I thought there would be a year off or some sort of apprentice uh, interim limbo coordinator mm. business. Anyway, that's fair. Anyway, uh, Oklahoma comes in at number thirteen. They're going to head to Bedlam. Um, they're going to head to Bedlam, and then in a in a parallel universe when the Big Twelve already has its championship game, they're going to play Oklahoma State twice in two weeks. But that's not going to happen. Um, they're just going to play Oklahoma State. Yeah, I think they're probably out of luck with the playoff, but they'll have a chance. Yeah. Uh, Auburn, 12, Auburn. Um, uh, so, Auburn is alive for the Sugar Bowl. Yeah. I, I, I honestly, just as a uh, person who wants to see good matchups, I hope LSU gets the Sugar Bowl bid because they're awesome. Yeah. Um, and because them against Oklahoma, especially Oklahoma State, too, to a degree, because Oklahoma and Oklahoma State are similar in, in their offense. They're good offense, bad defense ways. But um, I mean, LSU would throw for would run for 500 yards against Oklahoma, but Oklahoma might have the best offense in the country. Uh, so that would be a really fun kind of contrast that I'm, that I would enjoy very much. Auburn's fine, too. Auburn, assuming they get their, you know, that a month long break gets their their quarterback situation a little more stable. Then their their defense is still really good. Their special teams are good. Um, they would have a chance as well. We we kind of have gone out of our way to talk. You know, LOL. The SEC stinks because look at all these teams with four losses. Well, I mean, they've kind of lost to each other, and everybody's lost to Alabama. And and LSU and Auburn in particular are still good to very good, uh, and they would compete just fine against whoever the Big Twelve sends. I'm not Florida, sure. That the, maybe I'm not sure. Florida, but LSU and Auburn more. I'm not sure that the zeitgeist in Auburn would agree with you entirely on that. I'm not saying you're wrong, though. It's um, it's going to be an interesting offseason. He's obviously – Malzahn's not going to get the ax, but uh, I, don't, I also don't see a lot of – I'd say it's about this, a little bit more equity, but not much in, in, on the planes. They need to do something dynamic, and, and they also need to fix their offensive problems in, in 17. They, had, got, they, they have got to fix their offensive problems. They, they had for like a month, and then quarterback – things started popping up again and that that killed a bit in like october they were a phenomenal like top five caliber team for like a month and then it kind of they kind of lost it again uh number 11 penn state i think if if you made a playoff of the hottest teams in the country right now it would look something like um alabama usc penn state vanderbilt <laughs> hey, Vanderbilt. <laughs> I, I, i'll accept that because my mizzou tigers beat vanderbilt two weeks ago thank you very much there you go they slowed it down a little bit that's, that's why i haven't met the four seed um penn state um yeah sluggish early uh horrifically dominant late um, yeah i mean that's that's like i said before they 
have impressed the hell out of me, not only because they beat Ohio State. They were a little lucky to beat Ohio State with the block kicks and all that. But since then, that wasn't like an upset where you have a letdown. Since then, they have only gotten better. Michigan State had, had been a really, really strong football team over the last two weeks. Penn State took a good shot from them, kept them out of the end zone, held them to field goals, and then just just destroyed them in the second half. I was texting with a, a staff member at Penn State last night, and – I was like, this is really impressive. You know, everyone in the world expected y'all to lose a game after Ohio State. And his response was, remember, we're actually still pretty young. Yeah. So that's kind of scary for the future. You give you give James give James Franklin this much of a stage and a microphone, it's going to be terrifying. <laughs> uh, number 10, their, their opponent in Indianapolis is Wisconsin. So I'll tell you what, let's just talk about this game. Um, I don't know. Yeah. Um, Wisconsin's front, uh, if, if Penn State still does have a weakness, is it, it might be the offensive line and Wisconsin. Yeah, they are an inefficient it. offense. They are reliant yeah. on big plays, and Wisconsin might not give up big plays. Also, Barkley, I think, left the game. They didn't know exactly, at least as of last night, the guys I talked to, they didn't exactly know what was going on with him. Um, I think he, he'll be expected to play. Um, they're going to need... They're going to need the big chunk plays that have broken the back of lesser teams against Wisconsin because Wisconsin's front can um, they can um, mess you up for the PG crowd. Yeah, Penn, Penn State really is an all they, – they are still very inefficient on offense, which if you think about their youth and their new quarterback and their new system, that all kind of makes sense. Uh, they need those big plays. They might not get them, but at the same time, Wisconsin's offense is worse. Uh, and Penn State's defense might be able to keep up. So from a pure S&P standpoint, you're basically looking at Wisconsin by 0.3 points, um, and it could go either way. My tr- I think I still trust Wisconsin a little bit more, but Penn State's upside is you can't ignore it at this point. Ancient proverb, um, when is a 9-3 and Florida State season successful? Um, I don't know the answer to that, but it's definitely <laughs> being uh, – the question being asked, they close well, the Well, when Bobby Bowden just retired, I think is the only answer. <laughs> when – when you close the year with the when you I think when you book in the year with SEC wins, you beat Florida, you develop a young uh, a young quarterback, and yet you're nine and three, and people are still talking about missed opportunities. Um, this is this is the context in which fatigue, like uh, like successful head coach fatigue rumors get started. That's why Jimbo Fisher it, it, Jimbo Fisher was so tied to LSU, not because he used to be offensive coordinator there. It's because is there a plateau? Are they frustrated? Do they feel like they have a charge? It's, it's, it's sort of similar to Malzahn at Auburn on a less successful level there right now, more competitive in the SEC West. But uh, this was a good year for Florida State. It's, yeah. it's just it's quiet relative to recent expectations. And this is when your fan base can get kind of dumb. And this is when yeah. frustration can set in for a staff. Yeah, I would say I would assume that a lot of that frustration has eased since the first half of the year, so to to whatever degree. Because I mean, number one, defense was terrible early. Uh, everybody was raging against that. Uh, since then, they've charged to 18th in defense because you know over the last month, especially, uh, they've been really good defensively. Offensively, they've got a quarterback who got sacked approximately 90 times, and they still had an awesome offense. Um, the, the offense is set up very well to, to survive after Dalvin Cook, I think. And, and the bottom line is, yeah, they're 9-3. and three. They lost to North Carolina by 2 and Clemson by 3. Um, and, and to Louisville by a lot more than that. But they also played Louisville at the worst possible time. Um, and, you know, they just they, – they have survived. They survived at Miami. They survived at North Carolina – or North Carolina State, I should say. Uh, they whooped Florida. 
this is a, yeah, this was a transition year for them, and they survived, and they've they've kind of peaked late. And you know, if you listen to the rumors, you never really know about this. But one of the reasons, supposedly, the Jimbo wasn't all that receptive to LSU or maybe as receptive as people were thinking he would be, uh, among other things, is that he thinks his best Florida State teams are ahead of him. Maybe he wouldn't have thought that way in September, but now that he's seen what he's seen, uh, he feels a lot better. Uh, a, a bowl win? Actually, it doesn't matter if they win a bowl. Uh, this is going to be a season that's going to be looked back. Uh, hindsight will help this season tremendously. Uh, right now, if you have an issue with Jimbo at Florida State, um, by and large, you're probably fooling yourself. Number eight, USC. Um one of the best teams in the country right now, but they're nine and three and they're not going to their conference title game. So, you know what? You had the September that you had. Um, you can only, you can only couch that so far. Um, it's, it's college football. It's, it's not college basketball. It's not the NFL. And when you start that slow and you look that poor, um, it's going to catch up with you. What are they in Utah? So they're a Friday night Utah loss away from being in playoff contention. Yeah. And, I mean, that Utah loss featured a bunch of fumbles. It had bad turnovers luck. They figured out what they needed to do offensively. They didn't click defensively until the week after Utah. But since since October 1st, they've been maybe one of the two or three best teams in the country. And, so let me um, say this, uh, just for, for regular listeners of podcasting, play nobody. Um, I'll have a mea culpa for sure, and I'll gladly eat the crow. <laughs> Depending on um, – so let's wait until signing day and let's see what if there's any draft attrition, but – I'll have no problem with USC being in the top five conversation entering 17. No problem at all. Number seven, don't strike the Heisman pose and then fumble in the red zone. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, I think he better still win. Bad, bad loss for Louisville. Um, This is, um, it's not going to necessarily hurt them, but um, it's, you don't don't ever want to lose a game like this. You don't ever want to lose a rivalry game like they did. And they, yeah. They laid. They basically laid. They, they nullify their own talent. How about I say that? They yeah, yeah. they gave Kentucky the means to come back and win in a game in which they really had absolutely no business being in, and it was all it was all a function of what Louisville was doing. Yeah, I think. Um... You know, number one, I think it was kind of funny watching everybody in the last 24 hours going, oh, I think Lamar Jackson just lost the Heisman, and then realizing, wait, yeah, who does that mean got it? Okay, maybe Lamar still gets it, um, because there really was no number two for the Heisman, uh, and that's going to help him a lot. I, I guess somebody pointed out that the last time a guy lost his two his last two games before the Heisman voting, it was Tim Brown in 87. He's just He's been so much better than everybody else. It'll really piss me off if he doesn't get the Heisman. He's been the best player in the country this year, even with the, the kind of the, the crappy... Uh, you know, finish to the to the to the set. The overall concert was still tremendous, uh, and he better still get it. I, I obviously, as I've said before, don't care about the Heisman and all. I think it's a farce. But um, this is another team. Now we're talking about. I, I feel very comfortable talking about Louisville as the upper class of the ACC. Like this is a conference that's going to be loaded in seventeen, and Louisville's not going anywhere. Um, that's that's why I, I didn't want to go too far out and say this Kentucky loss really hurt them. It, I mean, it sucked, and it was more of a black eye than anything else, but this is a team that's going to be formidable. He's, he'll be back next year. Um, number six, Washington. I feel like yeah. they're in. You feel like they're in. Um, I think so. Handle handle Colorado, and you're in, right? Yeah, I, I'm, pretty, right? I'm pretty sure. You can uh, overthink the Michigan thing if you want to. And, I mean, I, honestly, I wouldn't blame anybody who did because Michigan's still awesome. But uh, uh, our own Brian Floyd was at this game, uh, the, the Apple Cup. Uh, Floyd's a, uh, a Wazoo grad, but he's something of a savant when it comes to kind of the state of Washington and college football. And he left extremely impressed with what Washington is doing 
in terms of just individual development, skill, yeah. discipline. Yeah. Um, they're they're going to come into the playoff, and uh, you know maybe if they're they're seated against Alabama, maybe maybe it's a quick showing on a national stage, but um, there's still a possibility that they could change a lot of minds. And yeah, again, yeah, you know, another program that's kind of looks good, feels good for the future. Yeah, I mean, this was score one for the numbers because uh, I mean, I think there's you know, there's no way you could possibly look at what they did, and then and you think back to you know when they were project when I, whatever I had them projected in the off season like tenth or eighth or something, mm-hmm. um, and we all thought that looked really weird, and I said you know maybe that's a little too much too soon, and look they're sixth. Um, they're just, they're really good. And, and, you know, they've had their moments uh, of shakiness, obviously Arizona, obviously that was a different Arizona team in September, but it was still uh, a game. They barely won uh, at Arizona. They kind of messed around at Utah needed that late punt return to win. Uh, obviously they got manhandled up front against USC, uh, their offensive front, which uh, <laughs> when you think about them now playing Alabama is scary, but um, their, their ceiling, uh, you know, if we look at just pure ceiling, I think the only teams that really matched that ceiling and uh, matched Alabama's or came close to Alabama's ceiling would be Ohio State, Washington, probably Louisville, maybe Michigan in my eyes. Those are, and maybe LSU at times um, when they could move the ball. So, um, you know, that's uh, the, the, in terms of ceiling, they are still young and they are immensely impressive when, they, when everything's clicking. Uh, if the SEC were to be able to control their entire bowl destiny, they would definitely put LSU in the Sugar Bowl. They finished the season seven and four. You can assume that with the Hurricane Matthew rescheduling, that they would have taken care of their. They had South Alabama, right? Right. Florida had Presbyterian. Yeah, they would have taken care of South Alabama and had an eight and four season, considering every single thing that's happened in Baton Rouge to this program. Um, they're probably the best four loss team in the country. Um, <laughs> yeah, there's no I, question that. And I mean. Their offense against really, really, really good defenses. So Actually, let me Florida scroll real ranks. fast. Um, they're better than Auburn. I know they lost head-to-head, but that was a completely different team with a completely different head coach. They're better than Miami. They beat the crap at A&M. Uh, they are considerably better than North Carolina and Iowa. So, yeah, I feel comfortable saying that. Yeah, they, they played the teams ranked second in defensive S&P Plus, seventh and eighth, and they lost those games. Um and uh, otherwise, they moved the ball really, really, really well for almost the entire year. So basically, if you had an elite defense, you could beat LSU. If you had anything less than an elite defense, you couldn't. Um, yeah, so I've been writing and trickling out news as I got it uh, about the, the higher of Ed Ogeron, and we were breaking, breakish. I don't know. We were, we were right there as it broke yesterday. Um, and in a lot of the reporting I've done, I've just tried to explain to people that they – by the way, this is the guest spot here by the Tampa airport. Um, they – didn't really have time to do anything with the offense. I know everyone wants to think that they came in and suddenly changed everything overnight, but you can't do that. You know, they took, they had to keep all of Cam Cameron's terminology and most of the book, shift some things around in terms of formation, and then just really more philosophically change the the, the volume, the percentage of certain kinds of plays. And Danny so, Etlin was still the quarterback. I exactly. mean, exactly. And so my point is this: take away those two elite defenses in S and P in Florida and Alabama, and look at what they were able to accomplish in a short time. Because well, this, is, this is the LSU team under Les Miles that I don't think scores that many points at A&M. I, um, I, I actually I neglected Wisconsin there. So they, they lost to teams with defenses ranked second, third, seventh, and eighth. Uh, and they basically averaged like 40 points a game against everybody else. So, I mean, clearly there was a limitation there. But you had to be elite physically uh, and, and, and tactically to be able to beat LSU. Otherwise, they were going to drub you. And uh, they did. Absolutely. Um, hey, guess what? Clemson's awake. It took yeah. all year. Clemson is awake. They're dangerous. Um, this looks like a team that could hang. And, and 
maybe not beat Alabama, but definitely punch them back in the face for a little bit. Um, yeah, I'm really the thought of Ohio State Clemson really is rather intriguing, intriguing to me, and I think I would actually at this point in the year pick Clemson. Yeah, I think I would too. Um, really, any combination. In fact, now that we're in the top four, I'll, I just broke my own recent tradition here. So number one, Alabama. Number two, Michigan. Number three, Ohio State. We'll get to that in a second. Uh, and then obviously the Tigers. So let's just talk about the Tigers for a second more. Um, in terms of first round matchups, because I do think they're in, they're fine, and I do think that they'll they'll get a they'll get a salty Virginia Tech team that they'll eventually just out talent. That's just the state of things in for for the Hokies more than anything else. Um, I kind of hope the the rematch with Alabama doesn't come in the first round. I would I think the most intriguing matchup for me right now would be Clemson Washington in the first round. Yeah, I think right now it, we are looking at um, the, you know if if you know Ohio State will be second uh, on Tuesday, and that's I mean if they're not, that's kind of an outrage. They absolutely deserve to be second, but they could fall to third after the quote unquote conference title bump or whatever. Yeah, um, but I would say Clemson's at this point almost certainly locked into the two three game one way or the other. Probably against Ohio State, th- things could get weird as always, but I'm betting that's probably it. And, and it's really the four unless Clemson loses, unless Washington loses, whatever. I think we kind of know what we're going to get here. If I think um, if 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 data point narrative rears its ugly head, I think you could have a situation in which Ohio State descends not out of the rankings, but they may put them forth as sort of some some sort of weird punitive thing. Yeah. Um, and then bump Clemson and Washington up, assuming that they both win their games because both will play teams. Um, I don't off the top of my head know where Virginia Tech was in last week or this week's uh, playoff rankings, although who, who the hell knows what that means. I was listening to ESPN Radio in the rental car on the way here, and they're talking about how good it was for Washington to have a win over a ranked opponent. And I'm thinking to myself, well, the playoff committee is probably going to flush Wazoo out of there as soon as they come up with a new ranking. So what did right. that mean? How do we even know what that means? In, because in it's still, it, that's why you don't limit yourself to top 25 and nothing more because it's dumb. Virginia Tech, by the way, unranked last week. Yeah, okay. So is VTech ranked this week? Probably. I mean, how good does that look for Clemson? Um, I, think, I think the way that they justify – here's what's so stupid, and I know you have – actually, do you want to – let me finish this thought. We'll talk about why Michigan's above Ohio State. Um, it's it's so incredibly stupid, but they they may be in a situation in which as good as the Big Ten has been this year, to sort of pacify everyone involved, they may be the fourth team in the playoff, and they may yeah. push the other two up just because of this conference championship mess. Yeah, I would be surprised if they're second this week. I would be surprised if they fell to fourth. It's not impossible. The committee has surprised me before, but I would be surprised. Um, and, and, I mean, Michigan's a really tricky thing right now, too, because, I mean, from a pure win-loss standpoint, they should be below Washington right now. But, I mean, as the, as the metrics here would say, I think they've still absolutely been the second-best team in the country, and that makes it really weird. Uh, all right, oh, actually, I keep pushing it back. So explain real fast why you have Michigan over Ohio State. Well, I mean, number one, they were ahead of Ohio State already to start with, and, and, so, and the whole season matters, not just last week. And number two, they were – at worst, equal to Ohio State. They, I mean, a it went it went into overtime. B it was in Ohio State, so you or is in Columbus, so you get a couple of you know home and field advantage points. It, it's not hard at all to say that Michigan was the better. It, it proved itself as the second best team in the in the country yesterday, and especially then if you look at like if you go into like the win expectancy stuff for from my numbers, win expectancy was Michigan State eighty three percent based on uh, field position and finishing drives, among other things. I think they also had a slight efficiency advantage overall. Michigan made clear mistakes. There were some clear, if not 
bad calls, 50-50 calls that went against Michigan. That that one pass interference no call early in, the, early in the game was hilariously awful. But besides that, um, you know, there were some 50-50 calls that went against them. It was in Columbus. They're just they absolutely proved themselves to be the number two team in the country to me. And and you look at the S and P margin. They, I mean, their margin expanded. They're six points up on Ohio State, and yeah. I can I can justify that. Ohio State also got the turnover breaks, I believe. Yeah. And so, and I mean, that was just, a really, really bad call on replay. We don't know. I mean, or we don't right. know how, how much that'll factor with the committee, I should say. Um, I, I, yeah, I don't think it will. I think they'll still be second, and that's fine. I mean, they, they won the game. They should be second. But, I mean, Michigan, to me, it's kind of like a, you know, a quality versus resume or whatever thing. Michigan's obviously number two to me in terms of quality, but Ohio State won. So Ohio State should be second in the, in the CFP rankings. In terms of what we want to see, I, I, I think the prediction that we have for this week, I would feel really, really good with. And then conference championship week will probably knock it around and change it up a little bit. But if you have Alabama 1, Ohio State 2, Clemson 3, and Washington 4, I could definitely live with that. Those, yeah. those are intriguing, interesting first-round matchups. I assume that would mean putting um, Alabama in the peach and then bringing Washington to them. Like yeah. I said, I think I really think Ohio State will make the playoff, and they will be punished for not winning their division by being pushed down to number four. And to, I'll, I'll be honest with you, the single most intriguing game, the game that sticks in my mind the most, at all of the college football I have seen in the past four years, five <laughs> years, I don't know, however many years, is the Sugar Bowl that I covered yep. a couple years ago. Yep. I am totally fine with that rematch. I assume you are. Oh, yeah. I'm totally fine with them with those two playing whatever the hell they want to play. Um, I think Alabama is much better than them this year, but they were technically better. They they probably were better than them in 2014 too. They blew chances, and Ohio State said, "Okay, watch this," and put the game away. So, um, if Clemson routes uh, Virginia Tech, that may be enough to put them up to two. The funny thing is, if you put Clemson and Washington in the in the in the Fiesta, I don't know if that necessarily gives any team an advantage when you're talking about a neutral site game in the desert in the middle of yeah, nowhere. But, I mean, but that's, that's the way it is. I mean. A lot of West Coast fans will pull in for that. There's a heavy Washington contingent in all the major cities in the West Coast. It's funny because I was in San Francisco recently. I was in Oakland. I've been in L.A. Like, Washington, is, their base is, is reengaged. Now, I'm not saying Clemson won't travel. I know y'all are out there and that will be interesting because that'll be sort of a true neutral site game and, and the 2-3 won't really matter at all. But um, that'll also be a hell of a good game to watch, an awesome game to cover. I have no problem with that whatsoever. But, you know, the Titan matchup there would be what's going on in Atlanta on New Year's Eve. Real quick before we get out of here, Jason Kirk's uh, New Year's Six Bowl projections right now. I uh, can't say I'm a, I like them a lot, don't love them. Western Michigan, Penn State in the Cotton, Wisconsin, USC in the Rose. I personally would like to flip that. I think he's got Wisconsin beating Penn State. I'd like to see Penn State play USC in the yeah, Rose Bowl. Me too. Um, and then I'd like to see Wisconsin and Western Michigan. I think that would be fun to watch as well. And the Cotton, don't know how fired up the Cotton would be about that. Um, but then the Sugar, uh, Oklahoma, Auburn, sure would like to see LSU there. Yeah. Um, I think they're the more deserving team, honestly. And then um, I'll totally take, give me some Louisville, Michigan in the Orange Bowl. That'd be a fun game to watch. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that'd so, be for any number of reasons. Uh, one other thing I'll say, like, by the way, I turned the timer off. I was going to jokingly just – ring it at the end, but we went blazing by so much for a quick show. Um, one thing I will say about Alabama, uh, we don't talk about them enough, honestly, as strange as that sounds, because it's hard to, after this many years, come up with new things to say. But uh, as I noticed this year, I posted the rankings and went, damn, Alabama's 99.8 percentile. And so then I looked it up. This would, if that holds, if they continue this string out, that would, be the, that would mean they are the best team in college football history since 1945 Army. Um, 
with a freshman quarterback who still makes freshman mistakes. That is unfair. If, we, if you notice the fact we haven't talked about the SEC championship, that's because we're highly educated and this is our oh jobs and we understand what a fate accompli actually means. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, it's, it's absolutely – Florida has a defense that should kind of tamp things down a little bit. It'll, it could play out a lot like last year as you figure where it's closed for a little while. Um, but, God, I mean, they, this is an unreal football team. I will say um, that I've embedded with Jeff Collins before when he's at Mississippi State. I'm sure I've talked about it on the show. Like, he's a coach I can go to for information. Um, man, those guys are going to walk in there and they're, they're going to walk in in the face of extreme adversity and defensively they are going to go after that freshman. That's the only really yeah, card that the they have The only way you can play. do is force like five turnovers. Yeah. Yeah, the only card that they really have to play in this whole thing is to, I mean, they're going to have to score off of turnovers. I've seen Florida's yeah. offense in person. Like, they're going to start laterally and once you pick that ball off, yeah. Bro. But, uh, yeah, I'm sure, look, Collins and those guys are going to embrace it. Uh, Florida's as much of a defensive team as I've ever seen Florida be, and that includes the Muschamp era. Um, yish, wow. Um, well, see, we accidentally <laughs> talked about it, so we screwed up there. Um, any other conference title games we're really fired up about that have been set in stone? Navy Temple is going to be interesting to watch. Yeah, I, I'm really looking forward to Navy Temple, yeah. Navy, uh, by the way, is in the 50s, as I, I, I mentioned this on Twitter, because I'm getting a collection of, of snark from, from Navy fans for that especially considering how everybody else is so clustered together. The two things holding Navy back right now, number one, they were bad in the first month of the year. They were, they were like 88th, I think, five or six weeks into the season. Uh, and so this surge has been a recent thing, not a full year thing. And number two, they're still giving up 28, 30, 35, 40 points a game uh, at, a medio, at a medium tempo, which means if your offense ever doesn't click entirely, you are in serious trouble. The fact that it has clicked for over a month is amazing. They're in the top 20 in offense now, despite struggling in the first month. But that's what's holding them back from a stat standpoint. If you're asking me who, who I would pick, uh, if I'm betting my life on somebody, I'd probably pick Navy, but I, you know, that's, that's where that game stands. I'm really looking forward to it. Temple's really good, though. For the record, I have, a, I have a previous engagement for an SB Nation feature that'll come out in December. Otherwise, if I did not have something that was absolutely locked in stone, I would, I would spend the... Com- Actually, because I have access to the company travel thing, I could just do it myself. I always have to ask permission first. I wouldn't even ask permission. And if, if they shut me down, I'd cash in my own, my own miles. And I would be, Bill, in San Diego... I would be at the MWC championship game to watch your Wyoming Cowboys take on San Diego State. I'm excited. You know, power to you. I guess they saved their energy this week. I left. It, it didn't matter, so why even waste your time? I left. I, uh, I left the best for last there, and I left you speechless. All right, we got to get out of here. This has been an overlong uh, ranking show. We will be back next week, probably in a very, very abbreviated form of an already abbreviated show. Uh, I will be in extreme transit, we'll call it that, on assignment. Um, and then that'll be it. We'll, uh, we'll pick up the pieces after that. We may do a specific um, final S&P Plus kind of aftermath show on a Monday after the season ends. How about, how about we do that? You want to okay. fly there? Sure. Okay, and then, uh, and then after that, we'll enter our off-season schedule, which is TBD because we still have to talk about it and figure it out. But uh, thank you all for listening. We'll see you Wednesday of this week. And there we go. All right, just for tradition. <laughs>